Well, we return to the sermon series through the letter to the Romans and again to this passage, chapter 3, beginning at verse 21, which has been referred to as the heart of the letter to the Romans, indeed the heart of the gospel. And this is part 2 based on this passage, 321 through 26. And so let us ask the Lord, whose spirit breathed out this word and preserved it for us in Holy Scripture, now to breathe upon us afresh, to open our minds and give us the grace of faith to receive it as we ought. Let us pray. Our most gracious Heavenly Father, we rejoice in the gospel of your Son, Jesus Christ, For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. We thank you, O Lord, for this righteousness which has been revealed apart from the law. That we, through faith in Christ, might be restored to you. And so we ask for the blessing of your Holy Spirit to open our minds and grant to us spiritual understanding and illumination. Open our hearts, O Lord. Speak to us by the power of your Spirit through your written word that we might hear and believe and respond in faith to the gospel of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let us hear the word of God. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood, to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness, because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time, so that he, God, might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. And now unto him who loves us, who has freed us from our sins by his blood, to Jesus Christ be all praise, honor, and glory forever and ever. Amen. One of my favorite musicians, Jackson Brown, begins a song with these words. I'm sitting down by the highway, down by that highway side. Everybody's going somewhere, riding just as fast as they can ride. I guess they've got a lot to do before they can rest assured their lives are justified. Pray to God for me, babe. He can let me slide. I think Jackson Brown has a pretty good idea of how a lot of people think about the justification of their lives, how to be right with God. 
On the one hand, there are those who feel the pressure to ride just as fast as they can ride, to do all that they can do to justify their lives, to do enough to prove their good enoughness to God. Whether, whether they know it or not, they believe in justification by works, work, 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 to earn, earn, earn my justification, to prove, prove, prove my good enoughness for God. It all depends on them. But on the other hand, the voice in that song seems to understand that no matter how hard he might try or what he might do, it would never be enough to justify himself. And so in rather despondent resignation, he says, pray to God for me, babe. He can let me slide. I suspect that's a lot of people think about salvation, the forgiveness of our sins, justification, a right relationship with God, exactly like that. It's just a matter of God's being willing to let me slide. Two very different views of justification, both of which are very common, both of which are very wrong. You ready? Here we go. After chapter 118 through 320, after the Apostle Paul has wrapped up and closed his case with the pronouncement of judgment upon all humanity, guilty without excuse, before the bar of God's righteous judge, justice, subject to God's righteous condemnation, helpless to do anything to gain a right standing with God because, as the Scripture says at 3.20, by works of the law no human being will be justified in God's sight. Finally, after the bad news, finally, at 3.21, there is finally that little word, that, that most important little word in the Bible. But, praise the Lord, For that little word, but. Romans 3.21. But, now the righteousness of God has been manifested, shown, displayed, apart from the law. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. This is the good news. The gospel of Jesus Christ. God has done for us sinners what we could never do for ourselves. God himself has provided a righteousness, a right standing with himself, justification, which we do not earn for ourselves by our works, but merely receive as a gift through faith in Jesus Christ. As 3.23 says, For all Jew and Gentile, all humanity, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift. But how can that be? When the Bible tells us that salvation is a free gift, that I am saved by grace, not by works, does that mean that God just lets me slide? Is that the gospel? Pray to God for me, babe. He can let me slide. Is that the grace of God? 
And we use that word, grace, somewhat in that way. Meaning, let it slide in common, everyday speech. For example, when you receive the renewal notice for your insurance premium with the upcoming due date, you know, in fact, that you've got at least a 30-day grace period after the due date. The insurance company will let you slide for 30, maybe 60 days. We call that a grace period. Or on the I-20, you're pretty sure that you've got a grace cushion, right, of at least five, maybe nine miles per hour. Uh huh. And you know the feeling. You know the feeling when all of a sudden you see him in the shadow of the overpass and you glance down at your speedometer and you say, Phew, he let me slide. Right? Nice to have a little grace added to the speed limit. So in common experience, we use the word grace in that way, basically to mean to to cut a little slack, to have a little elastic in the rule so that the law can be stretched a little bit to accommodate us. But is that what the Bible means when it speaks of God's grace? If I am, as the scripture says, justified by his grace, does that mean, in the words of Jackson Brown, that he can let me slide? I'm afraid that a lot of people today think about God's grace in just that way. Oh, you know, we're all sinners. What does God expect? Sin's really no big deal. He's a big God. He he gets over it. He forgives. That's what he does. We sin, he forgives. That's grace. No, it isn't. That's what the devil would like for you to believe about God's grace. But that's not what the Bible says about God's grace. The Bible says that God's grace is much, much, much greater and more amazing than a little slack. And a little slide. This gift of justification by grace is not offered as a little slack so that you and I can slide. This justification, this right relationship with God, which comes by God's grace as a gift, comes, says the scripture, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. In other words, Justification by grace has its basis in something very specific, an act of costly redemption accomplished by someone specific, Christ Jesus. The word redemption in its biblical context refers to the purchase of a slave out of slavery, the price paid for liberty. Paul's use of the word redemption here surely has allusions to the exodus, the deliverance of the Israelites out of their slavery in Egypt. You may recall that on the night before the exodus from Egypt, the Israelites were to sacrifice an unblemished lamb and place its blood on the doorposts of their homes. This would show their faith in the promise of God to deliver them. The blood would mark the homes of the faithful. 
And the angel of death would pass over them so that they would be set free for a new life in liberty as God's redeemed people. They were redeemed, purchased out of slavery by the blood of the Lamb. So here the scripture is saying that justification, being redeemed, purchased out of the slavery of sin and the dominion of the devil comes by God's grace as a gift through the redemption, the freedom purchasing payment that is in Christ Jesus. The Passover lamb in Egypt was only a foreshadowing, a prototype pointing to the true Passover lamb, Jesus Christ. It's not the blood of an animal that redeems us and sets us free, and it never was. It's the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ, which has paid the purchase price for our redemption out of slavery to sin and Satan. Now, just pause for a moment. Again, to think about how we commonly use that word, Redeem. A running back on a football team fumbles the ball just before he crosses the goal line and the other team recovers. Ah! But later in the game, in the fourth quarter, that same running back makes a spectacular 85-yard run, breaking numerous tackles, and scores the winning touchdown. We say... He redeemed himself. A husband forgets Valentine's Day. It's coming up, men. (laughs) So in an attempt to redeem himself, he plans a long weekend in New York City doing whatever his wife wants to do. You didn't think that sounded so funny. We tend to use the word redeem as though it were something we could do for ourselves. But the Bible knows of no such notion. Our redemption comes only through another. God himself by what he has done for us. Now listen again. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. By the way, that's a reference to the fall. Adam's fall. And our fall with him. All humanity fell. That's the doctrine of original sin right here at 323. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We are fallen. The scripture continues. And therefore are justified, made right with God by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. What does this tell us? Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward. Our redemption is not something of our own doing but rather is the work of Jesus Christ at the initiative of God the Father. It was God's sovereign, free choice, free will to send His Son, to give His Son, to offer up His own Son as the substitutionary sacrifice for our sins. God 
himself took the initiative and did what was necessary for the redemption of sinners who could not redeem themselves. Now, again, we see this foreshadowed, prefigured for us in the Old Testament. After Adam and Eve had sinned against God and the curses had been pronounced upon them and they knew their guilt and shame, their nakedness before God, what did God do before He expelled them from the garden? The Scripture says, The Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothed them. Who made the garments? The Lord God. What did he make them of? Vegetation? No. Wool? No. What? Garments of skin. What does that tell us? An animal was killed. A sacrifice was made. The first death recorded in the Bible is the death of a sacrificial animal. Offered by whom? God Himself. For what purpose? To clothe the nakedness, the guilt and shame of sinful humanity. There's Jesus in Genesis 3, 21. From the very beginning, after the very first sin, the Bible tells us that our redemption, our clothing in righteousness, would come from a sacrifice offered by God Himself. You see, our justification, our peace with God, our redemption has nothing to do with the sacrifices which we make, but only with the sacrifice which God Himself made when He put forward His Son, Jesus Christ, as a propitiation, a wrath-bearing, wrath-absorbing, wrath-appeasing sacrifice. God Himself took His own wrath against our sins upon Himself. God Himself, in the person of His Son, Jesus Christ, suffered His own wrath and judgment against our sins. So, hear the words to another song. Bearing shame and scoffing rude, in my place condemned he stood, sealed my pardon with his blood. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Was it for crimes that I had done? He groaned. Upon the tree, amazing pity, grace unknown, and love beyond degree. Now we're getting close to the point. Does God just let us slide? Just cut us some slack? Uh Uh-uh. By no means. No way. Now, this is what we've got to get in order to get the gospel. This is what this passage is saying. God can't just let 
sinners slide. The holy, righteous judge of all the earth can't just cut us some slack willy-nilly. For God to do so would be for God to compromise, tarnish, diminish, undermine His perfect holiness and righteousness. If God were in any way, anything less than perfectly holy, perfectly righteous, perfectly just according to the demands of His own law, He would cease to be God. God cannot lie. For if God were to violate His own word, His holiness and His righteousness would disintegrate. And if God does not punish sin with death and condemnation in accordance with His word, He would make Himself a liar. No, God cannot lie. And God cannot let me slide. The gospel of Jesus Christ is that God punished sin. God executed His justice against sin. God poured out His wrath against sins, your sins, my sins, upon Jesus on the cross. God put His own Son forward. His own beloved, sinless, righteous, holy Son. God put Him forward as a propitiation, a wrath-absorbing, sin-atoning sacrifice by His blood. 1 Peter 2.24 says, He Himself, He Himself bore our sins, bore our sins, bore our sins, your sins and mine on the tree. And if you want to know the depth and degree to which Jesus Christ bore the wrath of God upon Himself for your sins, all you need to do is listen to the crying agony of hell. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Which Jesus cried out as your substitute on the cross. This shows us that God is just He is righteous. He is holy. He does not compromise His moral character. He does not lie. And He does not let us slide. God doesn't wink at your sins. God doesn't turn a blind eye to my sins. But rather in response to our sins, God has kept His word and upheld His holy righteousness. He has executed His judgment upon my sins and yours and has satisfied His justice against my sins and yours. How? Through the death of His sinless Son, Jesus Christ. Your sins were punished. Your debts were paid. This is the gift to be received by faith in Christ. And therefore, all those who trust in Christ are covered by the blood of the Lamb. And thereby have the assurance that there is no more penalty to be exacted. No more debt to be paid. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because Jesus Christ was condemned 
in our place. So let's make it personal. When you're struggling under the guilt of your sins, I I can say this because it's true of me. When you're struggling under the guilt of your sins, perhaps the guilt of one particular sin that haunts you, how can you be sure that you are forgiven? And you hear the preacher say, you're forgiven. And it just doesn't click. Because you feel like there, there has to be something more. You really feel like, you know. You, ought, you deserve to be punished. That's why it's hard to come to the assurance of forgiveness. Have you ever been there? Really hard to come to the assurance of forgiveness, even though you've heard about God's forgiveness over and over. You just feel like, you know, I really deserve, I really deserve to be punished. Well, let me ask, ask yourself this question. Was God's justice against that sin satisfied in the death of Jesus? Ask yourself that question. The next time you're struggling under the burden of guilt, ask yourself, was God's justice against that sin satisfied in the death of Jesus? Was it? Wasn't his death enough? Wasn't the death of the Son of God enough? Well, then, isn't that enough? Isn't that enough to assure you that you are forgiven and redeemed by his blood? God's justice has already been exacted. But upon Him in your place. Now this is the reason that union with Christ through personal faith in Him is so vitally, absolutely necessary. This is the reason that justification by faith alone in Christ alone is not merely a doctrine for our heads, but an experiential truth for our lives. If Christ is not your Savior from the wrath of God, then who is? If you do not accept the gift of justification by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, then how will you satisfy the justice of God against all your sins? How will you justify yourself? Do you really think that you can make up for all your sins by all your going and doing, riding just as fast as you can ride? Or are you just hoping in despondent resignation that God will let you slide? Brothers and sisters, believe the gospel. God is just and the justifier. Of the one who has faith in Jesus. God himself has satisfied his own justice against our sins. By the death of Christ. So that we might be justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. By his blood received through faith. Hallelujah. What a savior. To God be the glory. Amen. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for 
the glorious gospel of your Son, Jesus Christ. And in His name we pray for the continuing sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. To convict us of our sins, to call us to repentance, and to compel us to rest our souls upon your mercy in Jesus Christ. So that we might more faithfully and more fully live as people who have been redeemed out of the slavery of sin. To live for your glory now and forever. Amen. In response to the gospel of Jesus Christ, let us stand to affirm our faith again this morning by means of the Heidelberg Catechism number 60. Christian, how are you right with God? Only by true faith in Jesus Christ, in spite of the fact that my conscience accuses me that I have grievously sinned commandments of God and have not kept any one of them, and that I am still ever prone to all that is evil. Nevertheless, without any merit of my own, out of pure grace, God grants to me the benefits of the perfect sacrifice of Christ, imputing to me His righteousness and holiness, as if I had never committed a single sin or had ever been sinful as if I myself had fulfilled all the obedience which Christ has fulfilled for me. If only I accept such favor with a trusting heart. Amen.